our family camping for the week of June, no, how about July 13th, 2020, the year of our Lord. By the time this goes, you post this or yeah, edit that's, it? that's when it'll It'll, it'll be publish. after Don's birthday, so. Oh my gosh, kid's getting older. He is. And you know where Don is while we're doing our family camping on the 4th of July weekend for the next week? <laughs> well, he talked about it last week. They were going their camping, so. You know, they are, and I have to admit that uh, as far as doing things on the website and all of the other things and uh, anything outside of work, we have really been focusing on just enjoying the summer, doing some camping, spending a little less, a little less time on the online activities, and just enjoying the summer. And I think we've had fun with that. And well, I think it helped. We just, we were camping this past week in a great spot with absolutely no internet. That was beautiful. Uh, we actually never could get internet if we walked 600 yards up the road uh, towards the dump station of all places. <laughs> we could hold our phones up and update text messages and things for anyone trying to get a hold of us. But uh, I am... Buck Ballard, joined by my wife, Chris. And usually on the screen, you would see <laughs> Don, for those of you watching live. And this is our, yeah, our weekly podcast, Our Family Camping. And we are glad that uh, you joined us. We titled this episode, Getting There is Half the Fun. Yay! That's an interesting one. You've got to be talking about the actual driving part of it, not the packing up part. Because we failed at it so miserably this last week. <laughs> well, you know, we failed at it this week. But yeah, I'm more talking about let's go back. Right now, you know, it's just you and I now. The kids are all grown. But yeah, this was an interesting week. We we took off camping with three grandkids with us who rode with us for the day. That was fun. But I go back and think even before we get to heading off to go camping, the difference when we were kids, some of the Time you had as a family to just maybe decompress and unwind. Maybe it was, I think of the old days of A&W and other drive-in restaurants where you might order through a little speaker or the car hop would come out and get your order. Or maybe you even had a, a waitress on roller skates and they'd hang the tray on your window. Good and... Lord, you're old. <laughs> yes, we. <laughs> no, don't you say we. You're old. <laughs> But, you know, those aren't around anymore. I, I, our kids really never experienced that when we lived in Portland. No. We no. did have a place in Rice Lake. What was that? The Tasty Freeze? For what? The first year after for, yeah, we moved there? Yeah, for the now? first year or two. And then I think the, the owners got divorced and that was the end of the rest. Came a car lot. Yeah. No, I think it's still a used car lot. But those times are gone. Uh, the drive-in theater, there's still a few around here and there for more mis uh, nostalgic purposes. Those times when the whole family was loaded up in the car as a family event, and we don't have as many as those as we used to have. But no. I go think of once we had everything packed, the cars loaded, whether we were going to the beach for a weekend to stay in a hotel or taking uh, the pop-up, the full-size trailer, or maybe we had a cabin rented. In our case, usually it was the Oregon coast when the kids were small. That transition time that everybody's excited, you're all in the car together, you're you're hostage to each other. Nobody had cell phones back then. No. Uh, we, we didn't have them. You actually talked to each it, other. It, yeah, and it was just communicate, and it really wasn't the stress of the week or school or work. It was, what are we going to do when we get there? You'd have an idea of what the weather was going to be and 
what you were going to do on the beach. Maybe you were going to go hit the town. Maybe we were going to go fishing off of one of the piers in one of the bays. But it was the time to talk about that and just get past the stuff and transition a bit. So by the time you got to the campground, you're decompressed. Whatever was bugging you at work or at school or those pressures, they'll be back Monday. But for a couple of days, they're gone. It was a good time. Although I will admit, I think anyone who's in charge of packing, even as you're doing this transitioning, you're still in your head rattling off the list and wondering, what did you forget? (laughs) Okay, shiny object number one for this week's episode. You'll know exactly where we're going with this. I go back and I think, um, getting ready for this week, our daughter, the plan was, of course, kids are out of school. It's summer anyway. We had originally planned, I was going to watch the boys. She has three boys, Kelly's three boys, five through nine or not five through 10, five through 10 now, I believe they are. Almost. Yeah, almost 10. Anyway, the plan was I was going to, they were going to hang with grandpa for the day. Well, then we decided to go camping. Well, we're only 45 minutes or so when you're not pulling a trailer out of town. So the plan was, well, I'll watch him for the morning. You had to work till 1.30. Right. And when you're off work, boom, we'll put her in the wind and go. So in the process of doing things and having fun, you know, hanging out with the boys and getting a few things ready, I brought the cooler up and I got a few things ready to go into the cooler, uh, one (laughs) of which was two four packs of sparkling water and i thought you know you need to really give things a boost in that cooler so i threw them in the freezer so they'd be cold when we left oh how could that go wrong (laughs) well you go right ahead when we started looking for that ice cold sparkling water when we got to the campground and realized it's not there no, but what worries me is you didn't remember where you put it. <laughs> I didn't remember where we put it until we got home. And I'm thinking it's got to be sitting on the counter. And I think you mentioned it's not on the counter. And I'm thinking, oh, that's right. I put it in the freezer. You don't see that every day. Now, one of the things that I always do when I drink any beverages out of a can is I take my thumb and I put a dent under the opening that you drink out of. So I don't have to look down to take a drink. I can grab it, put my thumb in the crease, drink out of the can. Now these cans are so much thinner than they used to be that everybody has a dent there because they just dent easily. Oh, they had dents. Oh, they had big dents. Well, because (laughs) those cans are so much thinner, every single one of those things blew up in the freezer Luckily, it was just the top freezer, not the chest freezer in the basement. That would have been a real mess. So uh, you did get a nice, clean freezer out of the deal. That I did. Yeah. So there we go. A couple of problems solved. The grocery store in, uh, um, what town is that? Two Rivers. Two Rivers, Wisconsin. Uh, got to sell some sparkling water. And, I, and soda pop, which I had gone out and bought the night before, but it didn't get packed somehow. At least I didn't put it in the freezer. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, that I'm grateful for because that would have been a whole different mess. You know, those are the things that happen or you get there and you, you forgot some little thing. I'd still go back to the transition. We, we miss transitions in our life. You go from work to home and now you're, soon as you get in the car, you're on the phone. Soon as you get in the car, you're, uh, watch some of these people. They're on Facebook. They're on something. They're reading their emails. That 10 or 15 or 30 minute commute. I only drive five miles to work and five miles back or not. Yeah. 5.2 miles. It is a pretty short drive, but it's just a little bit of decompression time from here to there. Getting there really is half the fun, especially if you're going to places 
whether it's new places or, or old places, I think of going now, we know the farms we go by, the towns we go by, the solar farm, uh, the highway where we turn left. <laughs> the houses that are going through remodeling just to see what stage they're in the next time we go by. Yeah, and, and I go back and think it when the kids were little, we knew the landmarks. We knew the Alfie's restaurant. We'd go by there, and we had a really good family experience there. I doubt if it's even there anymore. Uh, down the roadways, Spruce Goose, where that was kept in McMinnville, and all these different things. The fresh egg stand on the side <laughs> of the road as we got close to Lincoln City, and just the events, the things that got you there, that gave you things to talk about, that anticipation of getting there. Spending my time believing that I'm flying like a cannonball. Yeah. What if I'm just concealing that I'm waiting for a star to fall? Won't you do me a favor? Won't you give me a baby? We title this next one here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Yes, we do. This is a good, I like this story. I, well, I had to go digging to see where this was at, but it was in Ohio. You know, sometimes I'll find a news feed and it'll say, you know, K-U-R-L, and it won't say where it is. And luckily, our uh, investigative reporter here on my left decided to go digging and figure out where this was. Well, I was kind of curious to know where this would be wild. You know, we, we grew up, you and I had the great opportunity of growing up in the West where there were a lot of wild animals when yes. you went camping. You had to be a little on, little careful. And we still do here. To some extent. Yeah. But uh, this kitty, it's a cute little kitty, though. Well, they thought it was a cute little kitty, and didn't they, like, bring it into their trailer and feed it? And Well, they couldn't figure out. Yes, they did, but they couldn't figure out why the dog was always barking so much. Yeah, I guess their dog was uh, very sensitive and, and knew something was up and barking and, and howling a bit. And they investigated, and I believe they found this under their camper, didn't they? It was actually under their vehicle. Their, they, they had a Honda CRV. Yeah, and, and underneath it, they find this little stray, harmless little stray kitty cat. And so. it doesn't purr. No. And it has a short tail. And it goes by Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, did it. It turned out to be a baby bobcat. But luckily, they took this. They fed it through the weekend so they knew it would be safe, not knowing, thinking it was just a little kitten. Yeah, they had no idea. They took it to a um, wildlife conservation center. Yeah, and I even think there it took them a little while. to. That, that's not a kitty cat. That's something else. I don't think it took them that long if they're a conservation center. I, my guess is they kind of figured it out when they walked in. If If you look at the picture of this cat, the markings are definitely more wild, more... But the, the face lioness. is more kitten. Oh, I, I get where they think kitten, yeah. But that's no tabby face. It does have some mountain lion markings when you know what to look for. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I guess, you know, there's two morals to that story. Be careful what you're uh, bringing into your camper to feed. But what an adventure they've got to talk about. Oh, yeah, there's a story that I'll have forever. You know, we talked before about the spirit of campers. Just, just the spirit yep. of camping, the the things we do, the the things we make a point of doing. One of which is to leave the campground cleaner than you found it, and sometimes that's a challenge. The people before you did a very nice job. Other times it's pretty easy, and it also makes you conscious to 
What am I leaving? You know, did I leave three half-burned soda cans in the fire pit? That's not where they go. Throw them in the garbage. Right. Or beer cans or whatever the case may be. But always leave it cleaner for the next person. So in that spirit, we have... This started as a Facebook group? It did. And I shouldn't say started as. It still is a There's Facebook a, There group. are a lot of camping Facebook groups. I have so much fun in some of those, I, I have to admit. They're out of Indiana. So it's members of Camping Indiana. Camping Indiana, a large group with uh, several thousand members, which isn't unusual for uh, a group that's been around a while and promotes some cool stuff. And once a year, they do a, I don't know if they do this once a year, if they just decided this year they were going to do it. I think they do this every year. But they did on their own. Yeah, Give Back Weekend, they called it. The group has around 15,000 members, and what they have done was gone out and just had a cleanup weekend where everybody in the group who has the time and is willing to volunteer will go and help pick up debris and clean campsites and clean the camping areas in what mostly state parks and county parks, it looks like. Yes. I think that's neat. It is neat. They're saving some tax money. They're maybe demonstrating the spirit of, of what a true camper does, a true outdoorsman. Well, and I think we've seen more of that recently with the, the COVID problem with so many state parks. They tried to open them up in Wisconsin to where you couldn't go camping, but you could go walk the trails and use the yeah. parks. And people were leaving such messes. I don't think those are campers. I think those are just people out spending time for the day because we have really not run into a lot of trash or uh, campgrounds that need cleaning when we've gone. You know, we never have, but even this time, I can only think of one or two things we've seen. You see a piece of trash on the ground in a campground, and generally we pick it up and dispose of it. And yep. with the COVID, nobody's picking it up. It's sitting there. And then that's, I, I felt bad about that, but, you know, somebody decided to leave a diaper. I'm not picking that up and throwing it in the garbage. Just a few little things like that. But it's neat to see hats off to this Facebook group in Indiana for, for giving back to basically to all of us. Now, let's go to who didn't have the camping spirit here. I thought this one was kind of a funny little piece. And this was out of... Thetakeout.com. Thetakeout.com, which I believe is more, I would guess, fast food. I don't know. Uh, but that's the name of the blog. Camping grills are not, in fact, medical care products. And what they're talking about is when the federal government announced that there would be uh, tariff waivers for medical care products uh, during the pandemic, that was kind of a vague description. So some companies got a little wild. And in this case, we had Camp Chef, who was trying to argue the case that uh, out, this is a direct quote from Camp Chef. Outdoor activities are essential to both physical and mental health. I have to agree with that part, which apparently is the best justification the business could come up with for claiming that their grills are necessary for combating COVID-19. Uh, they went on to mention, I guess, even somebody at Bumblebee Tuna is actually uh, going to do some time for uh, <laughs> price gouging for that overpricing tuna during the pandemic. Kind of interesting to read. But yeah, it's some of the creative ways, but uh, no, your Camp Chef grill is not a cure for COVID-19. 
it's well they weren't talking about it being a cure but that it's not a medical necessity not, not a medical it may be a necessity for sanity but i think we went out and bought ours during this time so well we sure did we bought ours at the beginning and uh, there will be some pictures of that soon as we uh, we didn't use it this week but we used it the last time this was kind of a crazy trip because we had uh like I say, we, we had the, the three boys with us the first day. Oh, it was fun. It was a blast. It was just just a ball. And the things you get to talk about with your kids, with your grandkids, with each other, when you're just out in the woods. And when we had a great spot that was literally, we had, if you went up the little hill behind our campsite, at our campsite. Yeah, right. Just the burn. Boom, right you were next on the site. beach at um, Lake Michigan, and the water was calm. It was just, we could be down there with the kids. You didn't have to worry about any uh, hard waves coming in yeah. or anything. It was just gorgeous. Yeah, and then we had four more grandkids there the next day. when uh, It was a busy time. It, it was it was a very busy time, but still caught up on some reading and, uh, and had a great time. But it was just, to me, it was somewhat memorable. Um, we may do a what did you learn section tonight and refer to that trip because I know I learned a couple of things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's number? I want to hear what the number one is. Well, we'll get to that. No, and it's not going to be don't leave the uh, water in the freezer because I did that at home. So, okay. And we already talked about that. You ever know that flies don't eat ketchup? I don't understand what that's all about there. It's like, well, so, I mean, no, no, flies eat ketchup. They won't eat mustard. Why we bought an aluminum-sided camper. We bought the old-fashioned tin-and-sticks camper. We did. And and we're happy with that. We looked at a lot of other options. And I'm not bad-mouthing any of the ob- other options by any means at all. We looked at uh, R-Pod, that type of thing, where you had a more aerodynamic fiberglass-sided camper. And a few other options that way. We looked at some hybrid campers that were fiberglass with fold-out beds. One of the things we didn't like on those were when those beds are folded up, they're not folded up. They're just kind of flopping. Right. There's nowhere, nowhere to store the mattress. Because we did toy with the idea that wouldn't it be nice if we had a trailer that we could go camping in, never fold a bed out because we wouldn't need it. But when we did have somebody along, we could fold out one of the beds. But the mattress does not store with the folded bed. It just flops in the middle of your room. And I don't think I could ask it. Those were really flimsy mattresses. They were flimsy. But, you know, now that I, when I watch us, like when it's time to go to bed, we have stuff on our bed that now goes to the dinette. Yeah. You know, had we had a fold-out bed, we probably would fold it out so everything goes there. Exactly. So in the morning, you could actually sit and have your coffee before it's, you have to get the bed made and get everything that's on the dinette back yeah. on the bed. So this the one we chose it just works so perfectly for us it does now here's the reason we didn't have a firm price range we knew we wanted to stay and we'd mentioned this before we we found one trailer that was brand new slept for under 10 grand right brand new so we knew there were lower priced as we went out and looked we looked at uh Oh my gosh, I think we probably focused on maybe 15 to 17 grand and lower, just trying to keep our, our prices reasonable and staying within the budget we wanted to stay in. And the size, we and didn't want anything no, we real didn't, big. We didn't want anything big, but when you start looking at the entry level in fiberglass, 
the fiberglass trailers, they're not all the same. They're not all manufactured in the same way. There are actually three types of fiberglass walls on RVs. And the least expensive ones will have what they call a hung wall. So much like our trailer, it is wood framed. And then they will just adhesive. They will glue the fiberglass onto that wood frame and they'll just push it on with their hands, pressure it on. And boom, you're good to go. And it has the baffling insulation in it. Those are also the ones that, and I'm not trying to say don't buy one. I'm just saying be very aware. Those are the ones that you really have to watch like a hawk for delamination because there's just so much more there to let water get in. And it's just, it is a lower cost way of construction. They're certainly not as light as the more expensive ones. There's an intermediate way of doing that that they call a pinch hold. And that is where instead of the wooden frame, you generally have an aluminum frame. And now you have fiberglass on a Luan backer board. So you have some reinforcement behind that fiberglass wall. And then we're talking about the outside wall. But that is just glued on to the frame and sometimes a a foam insulation, sometimes a, a batted insulation, much like you use in a home. But then it's pressurized. It's like rolled. It's pressurized together. And it is, it's a very good bond. That might be acceptable. The best ones are what they actually call a vacuum bond. And there they'll take the fiberglass, the Luan board, and your aluminum frame with the insulation and the inside whatever the inside wall is, they'll put it all together with the adhesive and then they'll put it in a just like a gigantic seal meal and <laughs> suck all the air out of it into a vacuum and it pressurizes it and bonds everything together. And that is by far the best of the three ways to construct a trailer. For a fiberglass. For, for a fiberglass trailer. And, and I really, I don't want to own the hung fiberglass. I, I just don't want to own that. The other two for the right trailer, for the right price, might be acceptable. The other thing you'll find is when you ask your salesman how this one is constructed, he may or may not know. You need to do your own homework. He may not have the right answer to that question. You also need to find out, are the front and back made out of those same construction techniques? Or are the sides made with the pressurized method of doing things or the vacuum seal, but the front and back are just hung walls. A lot of these that you'll see an aluminum siding like ours has, and then a fiberglass nose. Many times those noses are hung. I found a video on Facebook of all places of somebody with a, and it was an aerodynamic nose, R-Pod style trailer, and a deer had jumped between the truck and the trailer down the road. I did not put it in the camping groove because the guy used a four-letter word that I don't want to put on our page. But it was kind of fascinating to watch. That deer, yeah, smashed in the front of that trailer and escaped pretty much unharmed. Trailer, not so much. Yeah, trailer is amazing how little is in there. Uh, it, it took a bash. I don't have a problem with the aluminum. What The downside of the aluminum really is it's a little heavier, not a lot. I was surprised by the time you get a 
aerodynamic fiberglass trailer the size of ours it's going to be a little bit narrower that's part of how they they will be seven feet wide instead of eight feet and then you get a slide out so you end up with enough square footage when you're done pound per pound they are pretty darn close and, and we didn't see a big difference there if you're doing a whole lot of driving you do get a little better mileage out of the fiberglass just because it, it is more aerodynamic so there's some economy to be had there but we're going to be doing Mostly all short trips. It fit in the budget well. And in my mind, I'll tell you two things about it and I'll end it with that. The first off is if something goes wrong, if, if I find seven or eight years from now a leak, I can pull that aluminum off, repair the damage, put the aluminum back. I've done it before. I can do it again. It, it's simple construction. Fiberglass is not that simple. Fiberglass, you don't want to go there. That being said, if I was going to buy a fiberglass trailer, which I would have no problem doing, I like the solid molded fiberglass noses. And you know the kind I'm talking about. Yeah. As opposed to just, you know, the siding coming down the front. But, you know, and I know that they're more expensive and they're more aerodynamic, but they look crappy. <laughs> if you don't if take you care don't of them. If you don't take care of it and clean it. They show every bit of every wear and tear that the, any bug or bird they encounter, it's on there. And I don't know if people just don't take care of them, but it seems like when we see someone going down the road or in a campground, you think, holy crud, their camper really needs a bath. Now, it's usually fiberglass. Yes. And the hung fiberglass will show the signs of age the first. It, it is the thinnest gel coat. The outside coating where you'd have clear coat on a regular paint job on a car, you have gel coat. And the gel coat on the outside of the hung fiberglass is pretty darn thin to begin with. So you are fighting against that. I will tell you something I found, and you found me this. at I, I Actually, you picked it up for me a time or two. I think I actually found it the first time at the dollar store. Right. What was it, three or four bucks? Yeah. It's Turtle Wax Quick and Easy Exterior One waterless wash and wax. And I will use that several times through the camping season. I'll go around the trailer and under the clearance lights and anywhere where there's something screwed into the side of that trailer, uh, whether it's the little clips to hold the cargo doors open, whatever it is, you'll have these little water lines or down below the windows. It'll go on the edges of the windows and you'll have those water lines and they're faint, but they're there. Well, and also you get a water line, you're going to have dust blowing into it. So now the water line's brown exactly. or gray. <laughs> and I can just give that a spray and then I'll wipe it down with a clean rag. And it, as long as you stay on it, you pull those water lines right off. So I'll spend on every camping trip, I'll spend maybe 30 minutes tops going around and just cleaning off those water lines. It just takes care of your investment. It, it really does. It's a very inexpensive way to, to keep your camper looking new for a good long time and not getting that paint dull. And I know you're supposed to paste wax at once a year. I'm probably never going to put a <laughs> layer of paste wax on a 21-foot travel trailer. Uh, but I will. And then I also, and this was an, another dollar store find. I love Meguiar's products. I think they just make a, a good product. Oh, they do make a good product. Yeah. And Meguiar's quick rack, quick racks, quick wax, 
uh, I'm zooming in on this picture of this hydrophonic polymer technology, whatever that means. That is another product that I'll use, especially on the front. When I clean the front, after I'm done cleaning it, I will spray, and this is just a spray wax, spray it on, wipe it up, you know, wipe it down, wipe it off. And I'll tell you what, it makes the next time you go camping and you see those water lines coming down, that cheapy little coat of wax from a, a spray product will make the dead bugs and the water lines come off easier the next time. So just lather, rinse, and repeat. Just great ways to uh, to maintain the camper and, and keep it looking nice. You bring me roses on a Tuesday, kiss me at the red light. We won't like to walk down in Shelby Park. You hold my head at bedtime, you know my favorite wine. What do you say you and I move on to? What did we learn tonight? Which might be a little different without Don. It's always, everything's always different when we don't have Don, but what, I'm glad he's camping. While we're on the subject of Don, um, you may not notice it watching on Facebook, but you will next week. We have a blank screen up front where Don should be. Uh, some new studio lighting arrived, and we are using that tonight to some extent, but you will have a much better view of Don when he is back with us. So that will be nice. That was the big reason for... Uh, buying the new studio lighting. So a little more work to do getting it set up, but you will enjoy it. So that being said, what did you learn tonight? I really enjoyed learning about fiberglass because that seems to be the main camper these days. And I had no clue how they, how many varieties of fiberglass construction there is. Until I started researching it, never knew that either. But yeah, it, it's interesting to know that uh, you get what you pay for, hopefully. So what'd you learn? Here's what I learned tonight. We, with this <laughs> trip, this was our first, I didn't learn this tonight. I learned this this week. This was our first trip in the new-to-us pickup truck to pull the camper. So we went from loading up the back of a 2007 Chevrolet Trailblazer to loading up the back of a pickup. And in this case, we had three kids in the back seat, so everything went in the back under the tonneau cover, including the cooler. And when we got home, I really didn't pay attention going. We loaded up, we put her in the wind, and we drove to the campground, and we unpacked everything. Coming home, we didn't lollygag in any way. The cooler was in the shade under the trailer. We moved our stuff around, our goal is to go to storage and not have to go back into the trailer. The only reason to open the trailer door is to put the propane tank inside the door so nobody steals it. Other than that, we do not go into the trailer. When we lock the trailer up at the campground, we're done. Right. We load up the cooler. I put the cooler in the back of the truck, close the tailgate. So it's under there, under the tonneau cover. And it was a warm, sunny day. And I was shocked at how hot that cooler was when we got home. It was, it was, you put your hand on it and it was toasty warm cooking under the sun under that black tonneau cover in a truck bed with no air going through it. That will be, if we ever go on a longer trip, cooler has to go in the back seat. Yeah. No doubt about it. It, it would just, you would be putting ice in that thing every day. That was hot. Well, I think normally if we go on a trip, 
odds are we're not going to have the back seat full of kids. No. So we can fold up the seats and the cooler can definitely go back there. Yeah, and there's definitely as much room in the back seat of that because it is a, what do they call it, a, a super, super cab or something. There, there's a four-door cab and then the super four-door cab. And this is the bigger of the four-door cabs in a smaller truck bed. But the, I, that would be the one thing I learned is, holy cow, did that cooler get hot quick. We were home in 45 minutes and, uh, well, probably an hour because while we stopped and dumped the holding tanks, it sat there, there too. But, so you did more of a, what did you learn this week? Not so much, what did you learn tonight? Well, I did the show notes, so uh, I already knew. <laughs> yeah, I did a, what did we learn this week? I cheated. With that, what do you say? If you want to uh, reach out to us, Our Family Camping is a Facebook group. We would love to have you there. Uh, just request membership, and uh, as soon as I catch it, or Chris catches it, or Don catches it, we will uh, let you in. Also, we do have a Instagram page that I've done absolutely nothing with, but I will. <laughs> and it again is <laughs> at Our Family Camping. With that, we will talk to you all next week.